You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Call-Up, presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We are in week 11, and man, there are some players we're frustrated that aren't called up. There are some players that are producing in the minor leagues at an elite level. There is so much going on right now down in Triple A, Double A, Single A, Independent League, you name it, and we've got the crew to give it all tonight to you guys. Joined by, of course, Michael Richards, Vinny, a.k.a. Down the Farm, and our special guest who we'll get to in just a second. Mike, how you doing? Doing great, Mendy. As always, love doing this show with you guys. It actually is the hottest day of the year for me out here in the Pacific Northwest, so it feels like summertime finally. I'll probably be sweating during the show, but it's worth it for this guest here. We we got one of the good ones, you know, so really happy. How you doing, Vinny? Doing good, you know. We just learned the all-star rosters, who's starting. You know, we have a bunch of draft speculation. It's getting into the hot point of baseball pretty soon. The deadline's going to be pulling right up on us, so... No, nothing but baseball. Did I hear that, uh, Mike, that you're sweating because of our guest, that he's making you nervous? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but not really. You know, just the uh, the heat, but also the excitement combined. It's a combination thing. Okay, I'll take that. Well, this guest, actually, he's got a, a big beard going on. I don't know why I just noticed now, but he's he's got like a Grizzly Adams look going. I, it, it fits him. It's very distinguished. You guys know this man. If we're talking prospects, he might be on, in the dictionary if you looked up prospect. Uh, he is, of course, a father. He does fantasy baseball for FTN and does prospects for them as well. You can check out his article crossed up every week over at FTN Fantasy. Also does work for Rotoballer and I'd say his crown jewel right now, the Toolshed Podcast, the number one go-to dynasty and prospect podcast arguably out there right now. Uh, and, of course, they have a Patreon and he is an FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year. I did vote for him. If actually, I didn't have a vote, but I would have voted for him. It is Eric Cross. What's up, man? Uh, thanks, Mindy. I know you would have voted for me, and I, and I would re- reciprocate that vote if uh, tables are turned. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's it's pretty – it's not hot here, but it's extremely humid, and I don't think it – we've had a day without rain since, like, I don't know, April. So, yeah, I, I can uh, – I feel the weather. The weather has not been great here in Maine the last uh, couple months. Is it usually that rainy in Maine, though? I feel like it's usually good weather, right? Uh, yeah, April and May are like our two rainy months, but usually June's when it's like, all right, you know, you get, you know, the nice weather, the rain kind of stops, but now it's, it's rain basically, I think every day besides two days this month, and we at least, you know, a little bit of rain at one point in, throughout the day. So yeah, it's been, been kind of rough <laughs> this year. Well, I guess it's good ba- uh, fantasy baseball weather because you stay inside, just work on fantasy baseball articles or videos or podcasts. I guess that's right. the one thing that could come from that. Uh, but I do want you to talk about your Patreon, talk about the Toolshed podcast. If for some reason people have been living under a rock and don't know what it is, just so our <laughs> listeners can know. Yeah, so the uh, Toolshed podcast, Chris, Chris Clegg and I do that twice a week, sometimes three times, sometimes once. You know, schedules get kind of hectic at times. You all know that. Uh, actually, we're, we're going to record another episode at, right after this tonight. Obviously, we're going and doing a lot of prospect talk, dynasty talk on there. We'll be getting some MLB draft talk. 
and the upcoming weeks with the draft about a week and a half, two weeks away. And yeah, I got my, my Patreon as well. That's where all my rankings lie, prospect, dynasty rankings, my FYPD rankings. I do almost daily prospect uh, notes write-ups as well, along with other random you know, articles and, and content on there too. So yeah, check that out. It's uh, patreon.com slash toolshedfantasy. All right, make sure you guys check that out. And make sure you check Eric tonight because he is going to help us talk about all these great players we're going to get into in terms of just what they could do for your dynasty leagues or uh, guys that maybe even redraft could have some relevance this season. So kicking things off with, of course, our players of the week, players that we felt deserved a shout out to start out the show. And Eric, Ivan Melendez, first base, third base eligible prospect for the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2023 and 215 plate appearances. He's got a 282 batting average. 15 home runs with 37 RBIs, K rate a little bit high at 33%, but the power seems very legit with him. These Arizona Diamondbacks just seems like they have so much young talent coming up through their system. Oh, they absolutely do. And I think they're going to be, uh, they're already one of the bigger surprise teams this year. I think last time I checked, they were leading the uh, National League West by like four mm-hmm. or five games or something like that. So yeah, a lot of young talent is the the cause of that. Obviously you won't see, you won't see this guy help out this year. But, uh, you know, maybe next year. But, yeah, Melendez, the power, it's absolutely legit. And, you know, this dates back to his days as, as in the uh, University of Texas. It's absolutely cranked the ball there as well. But swing and miss has been an issue. As you mentioned, like, the K rate's been pretty high this year. You know, and that's even the last two months. Like, he hit seven home runs last month uh, in the month of May, excuse me, and then eight home runs this month. He's hit over 300 in both of those months, 310 and 305 respectively. But K rate has still been over thirty percent in each month. Doesn't walk a ton, so that's like the that's the area that obviously needs to improve. I mean, he only has two strikeouts over the last seven days, nineteen play appearances. Again, that's a small sample size, but this is a potential middle of the order impact bat. You know, 30, 35 homer bats. Guy that could probably drive in a hundred runs. You know, with this nice lineup, or they'll be around him in Arizona long term, including obviously Corbin Carroll. The fantasy stud who hopefully is okay uh left the left the game hopefully it's okay but in order to kind of reach that level the swing miss has to come down i mean even if he gets it to like you know even excuse me to that 28 29 30 percent range that's okay yeah you want to see it lower than that but that's not terrible these days when you factor in his quality of contact being so good but right now you know he's been more like 34 35 36 percent even higher earlier in the year. So that needs to come down. Like see a little more patience out of him, but yeah, the power is absolutely legit. So he, he's definitely one to target in dynasty leagues. Do you feel better about Melendez's future and what he could potentially produce? The fact that he's with the diamondbacks who seem like they've been grooming their guys a lot better than, you know, teams like the nationals or teams that I feel like have had trouble developing those prospects to what, to reach the potential we're expecting for them. It feels like the Diamondbacks have been doing a pretty good job, you know, and Corbin Carroll coming up. Alec Thomas is finding his footing, but he's he's getting there. I know he's still struggling against left-handed pitching, uh, but does the fact that he's with an organization that seems like that they're doing a better job developing these guys give you more hope that he could produce and get that K rate down to a more manageable level? Oh, absolutely. This is something that I've really put more and more stock into over the last you know handful of years just seeing you know the track record of these organizations you know both good or bad for hitters or pitchers and kind of i, I won't let it like drastically change my ranking or, or outlook of a player but it does make me you know have some maybe some pause like tyler soderstrom is a great example great bat love him and any other org besides oakland they've not done a great job 
but Arizona has, you know, the last handful of years, really uh, a lot of outfield prospects have come through, you know, some pit, more so the pitching hasn't been great coming through there, but hitting, they've done a, a pretty good job. So yeah, that does give me some, some hope that they can, you know, curb the, the K rate issues with Melendez and get them to kind of maximize that power potential. All right. That is Ivan Melendez of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Vinny, Kobe Mayo of the Baltimore Orioles, another team that these probably might be the top two teams in terms of young talent coming up um, and team them actually just outproducing what we thought they would do this year. Uh, 2023, 21 years of age in double A. He's hitting over 300. He's got 14 home runs, a 14.7% walk rate. That's obviously very, very good, especially right now in double A, seeing the ball very, very well. A 291 ISO. Uh, another great prospect for the Baltimore Orioles here. Talk to us. Yeah, actually, this guy, this is mine. We got the graphics mixed up again here. So, do you want do you want to go, Vinny? No, why don't you go up? We brought up Kobe Mayo. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so I should start by saying I feel a little bad for taking Mayo because Eric had mentioned him as an option, <laughs> but uh, after but after digging in the last you know ten days and even thirty days, he's a clear standout. I just couldn't find a more deserving player at the spot. So we've talked about him on the show before, but he's demanding more attention. Over the last month, he's hitting three sixty five with a twelve hundred OPS. 20 extra base hits, including seven homers, leads the minors in total bases during that time. A 16% walk rate as well, and his strikeout rate's down to 23%. So these are all positives. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's fair to say he's hot. So my personal experience with Mayo has been an interesting one. It seems like at every stage of his development, I find myself on the opposite spectrum of the masses. Uh, when he was originally drafted, I was generally more interested in him than most people. And then once he had his breakout season moving through three levels in 2021, I obviously still liked him, but I felt like the hype had gotten too extreme. I wasn't ready to put like a non-speed player into like a top 25 based on low level success. So I saw him as a clear sell high at that point. But then last season, the stats were down across the board and I felt people kind of releasing their grip on him. And he was back to being like underrated in my eyes and a really nice buy low. The fact he was so young and being pushed aggressively carried more weight than his production for me. And so Fast forward to present day, and Mayo's one of the youngest players in AA and one of the most productive. Scouting grades-wise, he's listed with an above-average hit tool, plus game power, double-plus raw power, below-average speed. So it's not hard to figure out what type of player he could become. I don't think there's any question about the power. In fact, as the scouting grades suggest, I don't think we've seen the full extent of it yet. Really, from a fantasy perspective, it's going to come down to where the hit tool ultimately falls if he ends up as one of those sluggers capable of helping your batting average like he'll have several years of fantasy relevance if he ends up being like a 230 type hitter with 30 home run pop he'll still have a role in the game but he'll be seen more as like a mid late round power bat but the but the signs i'm seeing suggest he's headed towards the better version overall mayo kind of reminds me of a player we've mentioned a few times in the show tigers third base and colt keith their season stats in double a at the same age are like similar across the board they profile as a similar type of player in general above average hit tool with good pop I'd give the edge to Mayo over Keith because of the team context, and I think he has a little more juice in his bat, but they both should be solid three to four category contributors if they reach their potential. And I think Mayo is more likely to be a middle-of-the-order type of guy. So with so much young talent moving onto the Major League roster in Baltimore, it's becoming harder for players to step into their lineup. Considering they have better defensive options on the left side of the infield, it wouldn't shock me to see Mayo end up at first base DH like long-term, maybe even get some time in the outfield. He's had a lot of size since he first came on the scene. Long story short, I'm I'm as high on Kobe Mayo as I've ever been. He's he's play he's playing like he did in 2021, except this time it's in the upper levels, and he's still young for the level. There are less hurdles remaining to clear, so 
it w- I wouldn't be shocked to see him up in AAA by our next show. He's He's been a clear standout in AA. You did mention some of the things I was going to ask you about with Gunnar Henderson and playing third base. Jordan Westberg has played one game over at third base already in his first three games. They have Mount Castle at first base. They have Adley Rutschman, obviously, catching, but then you know maybe they play him at first base every once in a while, some just to keep his bat in the lineup, DH. Uh, it sounds like there are a lot of potential options that could block him but you're not concerned about it long-term and then said potentially maybe even they give him a shot in left field or something like that. His bat is that good. Yeah. Personally, I believe if he stays on the track that he's showing me right now, I believe they will make a path for his bat, even if his defensive situation is not ideal. All right. Kobe Mayo of the Baltimore Orioles. Vinny, let's get to your first player. And we have, uh, his first name is blocked off by the little ticker. Uh, I'm going to pull up, what is his first name? Samuel. Samuel Basalo. There you go. Tell us about Samuel Basalo, catcher for those said Baltimore Orioles, who's got a 467 batting average and 15 plate appearances on the week and on the season in A ball, a 296 batting average, 361 OBP, 471 slug, uh, 40 runs, eight home runs, 9% walk rate. Some good stuff here with Mr. Basalo. Yeah, the Carolina League this year has been very rich with catching prospects. You know, we Basalo being probably the biggest one right now. Also seeing Moises Ballesteros and Dominic Keegan. But Ballesteros is a very interesting bat. Uh, he's uh, right now a catcher. Uh, he's more bat first than actually being uh, actually defensively. He's very uh, he's very sketchy with receiving, but he has one hell of an arm. Uh, earlier this year, he was clocked up to 87 miles an hour from uh, uh, throwdown from uh, home to second. Like, if they could really work on his defense and make him a regular catcher, that would be pretty massive. The power, he he's still young and the body is still growing and reforming. I think it's split between him and Kobe Mayo for most power in the organization. Watching him absolutely destroy baseballs is it's mind-boggling how much power he possesses. Like if you ask around the organization, you know, people are split if he actually is a catcher in the future. Some believe that he will outgrow ca- the catching position and probably move to an uh, a corner outfielder or maybe a first base, maybe DH. But I think they should really give him run out at catcher cuz the arm the arm is spectacular kind of gives me vibes of an early Jefferson Cuero type of arm. The bat is very questionable. Besides the power, the hit tool is inconsistent. Um, And another thing to really worry about is that right now he's at 46% pull. You know, a left-handed power slugger type of bat with a lot of pull is, you know, it brings up red flags for me. But everything else, his line drive, ground ball, fly ball rate is pretty split down the middle, which is very good. I just want to see a couple more things, you know, get tweaked with his approach and, you know, his aggressiveness at the plate. But we should be seeing him pretty soon. I guarantee you after the Futures game, he will not be playing in low A. They will probably bump him to high A. But, you know, he he was the Carolina player of the, uh, the week this week. And, you know, we've been seeing the Orioles absolutely turn out monsters right now in that organization. I think Basalo is on track to potentially start making some making some noise in that organization. I know Baseball America just threw him on their top 100 last week, so he's already starting to get the consensus report around him. 
The monster himself, Samuel Basalo, making his way up prospect ranks right now. Seems like this is definitely a point where Dynasty, maybe you can get in on him before it seems like everybody else is starting to catch up on him. Or maybe they have, but the fact that he's creeping into the top 100 shows that maybe there's more of a ceiling there. And uh, this is a good chance for you guys to try to see if you can acquire him early on, especially the fact that he's only an A-ball right now. Eric, let's go to your pitcher of the week. Gyro Iriarte of the San Diego, hopefully I didn't mess that up too bad, of the San Diego Padres right-handed pitcher, 21 years of age in high A ball, 55 innings so far on the season with a 2.95 ERA, 29.7% K rate. That's good. 11.2% walk rate. Not great. Um, definitely would like to see that down a little bit, but there's a lot of good numbers here in his profile. Tell us a little bit about Gyro because I have not seen his name until you just brought him up today. So I'm going to be learning along with the rest of our audience. Yeah, and you did say it right. At least to, to my knowledge, you said it right. So yeah, Gyro Ariarte, he's really been a pop-up guy this year. You know, he spent the last two years in low A at Lake Elsinore and didn't really have a lot of success. That is a launching pad there, though. Uh, so I'll take that with a grain of salt. But you know, like last year had a 5.12 ERA, so... Didn't really pop on the map, or at least up to the point where he is, until this year. Because obviously, like you mentioned, you just mentioned the stats. ERA under under three, pretty good strikeout rate. Walk rate is a tad high. That's the one area that does need to be refined if he wants to stick as a starter. But the stuff is really good. You know, it's a plus fastball. You know, above average to plus changeup, and the slider has taken some strides this year as well. And it is it I say at least an above average pitch. You know, so he could have three above average to plus offerings. Like the fastball has good arm side run on it that really bores it on, on right-handed batters. Like, and he commands the fastball pretty well. He gets a little inconsistent with the secondaries just from the video I've seen of him. But when he's on and when he's locating, like this is a like he would when he's on, he looks like a top 100 overall prospect, a top you know 15, top 20 pitching prospect. And I think that's the upside he has. Like if, if he is able to trim the the walk rate a bit here, and he's still only 21 years old, still pretty young. But the stuff is absolutely there, and I'm willing to take a shot on that. You know, it's not like a huge issue. Like it's it doesn't like he doesn't have DL Hall levels of command and control or or Jack Lighter. You know, Lighter's been very poor with uh, command and control this year. But it is an area that needs to be refined. But even if he goes to the pen, I think he could be a you know high leverage pen arm. So there are a couple you know different avenues to him finding some success in the major leagues. Obviously, for fantasy world, we want to see him as a starter. And I think he definitely could be, you know, maybe even a mid-rotation type of arm with with higher strikeout upside if he's able to keep that command and control in check. So definitely a name that's on the rise right now, and a name that I think is still pretty, um, like perceived value hasn't really caught up yet. And that's everything in dynasty, obviously. Uh, so you can still get him for a pretty reasonable price tag, and and if it, he does, you know, start trimming that that uh, walk rate a little bit, man, he's really going to shoot up ranking. So you could have a a pretty big. Um, you know, reward for getting him right now. Now you said he has really good strikeout stuff. Obviously the K rate definitely shows that as we were saying, what is, is he have an electric fastball? Is it just like high velocity move a lot? Does he have good breaking pitches? What, what kind of gives him that strikeout upside? What is in his arsenal that we're going to fall in love with at the bit when we start seeing him rise up the ranks here, uh, closer to the big leagues. Yeah. It's really a combination of, you know, all three of his pitches. I'd, I'd say the best, pitch is probably the fastball it, it's you know he sits mid 90s can get up you know 97 98 with it at times has a lot of late life on it so um it really runs into right hander uh, right-handed batters 
that's a, that's a really good and that's the one he commands i think the best out, out of the three offerings and you know the good thing about the slider and the change up they're they're at different velocity bands so he has th- these three different velocity bands where um so three different kind of you know fastballs in the, in the uh one area then there's a, a gap to a slider and a gap to the change up so you know, it gives that it makes it even harder like when pitchers are you know have multiple pitches in that same velocity band now it can be a little bit easier for hitters to catch up on it and then figure it out but the fact that he's coming with different velocities and all three of those very much dif- different movement on them you know change up got some pretty good fade and the slider is very sharp um breaking obviously down on the way towards uh to the back foot of lefties and down the way to, from righties so he's all three of the pitches have very different looks to him and, and all three are pretty good like again when the command is there of them that's when he's, you know, like the other night, I think he had like 10 Ks over six shutout innings or something like that. Like that's what he's capable of when, when all his pitchers are on. Sounds like an exciting young player that I can't wait to see as he continues to get closer to the big leagues and start seeing more, more of him. That is Gyro, Gyro Iriarte. Let's stay in the same organization with those San Diego Padres here, Vinny. Robbie Snelling of the those San Diego Padres, 19 years of age and a ball. 51.2 innings on the season with a 157 ERA and a sparkling 101 whip. Same about the same K rate as Gyro Iniarte, but the walk rate is only at six and a half percent here. So definitely uh, some uh, better looking numbers right now. Prospect uh, rankings seem like they do have Snelling ahead of him, just from the couple sources that I'm looking at. So right now they're saying he is the better prospect. He is a lefty. So talking two guys right now in the low part of the Padres organization that both could show promise here. Yeah, this is my guy. Again, we're going to stick with the same order to the rest of the okay. way. Okay. So, so I think this is the first time I've used a pitcher below high A as my pitcher of the week and this year, at least and it. And it's not as much about his success over the last seven days as the overall season and career trajectory. The stuff you'd mentioned, you know, this is a young man who originally came onto my radar during the FYPD season. And I remember mentioning during our mock recap episode that, I was debating between Snelling and Jackson Ferris in the fourth round. I ended up going with Ferris, who's also been fantastic. But Snelling kind of stood out to me as an arm that could evolve into a big pitching prospect on the line. He was a two-sport athlete in high school, considered going to the University of Arizona to play football and baseball. He played quarterback and linebacker, so he's very strong, well-built, listed at 6'3", 210. But he was so dominant as a pitcher during his senior season. He set the state record with 143 Ks in 62 innings. He ended up putting his focus towards pitching full-time and he doesn't have scouting grades yet listed on fan graphs, but MLB.com gives him an above average fastball that sits 93 to 95 and touches 97 plus curve that stands out for its spin. And it should be his best strikeout pitch and a fringe average change with average control. Ultimately he didn't need the change up much against high school competition. So the development of his change as a capable third pitch will be the key for his long-term development outside of his velocity I'd be paying close attention to how that third pitch is coming. Like I say that because I think it's essential for him to remain a starter. I don't think you can have a lefty using an above average fastball and a plus curveball as their only offerings in the big league. So considering the athleticism and the fact that he's recently started focusing full-time on pitching, I think his chances of succeeding as a starter, I, I like his chances. And I think there's probably more untapped potential than your typical high-end prep arm that's, you know, that's been focused on pitching since they were very young. It's still very early in the process, but, You'd be hard pressed to find a teenager in A ball who's been more impressive this year. I mean, his 23.1 K minus BB percentage jumps out compared to the other pitchers, his age and level. It wouldn't surprise me to see Snelling among the best left handed pitching prospects in the minors by the time he reaches double A. I think there's 
a good chance for him to add some more velocity as well, like I said. And there just seems to be a lot of ingredients here for a high upside arm if all the pieces come together. I'd add him in deeper leagues and stick him on my watch list in leagues that you don't need to move so quickly. But he just feels like someone I want to be in on early, which I can't say about many teenage pitchers, to be honest. Yeah, definitely sounds like an exciting player and um, somebody I'm looking forward to as well, seeing more of him down the road. Now we're going to get to Vinny, and we're going to talk about Blade Tidwell of the New York Mets. Man, those New York Mets could use pitching, and unfortunately for them, it seems like he's a little bit away from being able to help the big league club right now. He is in high A ball this past week, six innings with a 1-5-0 ERA. Uh, and on the season, 22 um, – I'm sorry, on the season – a uh, 3.83 ERA over 51.2 innings with 75 strikeouts. Vinny, the uh, the walks definitely are a little high, but again, the strikeouts seem to be there. Seems like he's got uh, just to clean up a couple things, but he could be someone that helps the big league club down the road. Yeah, if we're talking about pitchers from last year's draft class, Tidwell is pretty much flying under the radar. If we're looking at his strikes to innings alone, like 75 strikeouts to uh, – to 50 pretty much 52 innings like you would think he'd be getting a little bit more run than that the fastball is really good has uh, some late life to it uh command though is really his his achilles heel right now you know the walks are at you know 6.45 uh, percent uh, the, the strikeouts the strikeouts are really eye-popping just because you know he is a college he's a 22 year old in high a like I could see how that would deter people off of him, but still, you really don't see this this much. Um, the the his delivery is very easy and repeatable, very smooth. Um, I could see him potentially future being like a three four SP, or could be an even very good reliever if the command really doesn't translate over as he keeps on climbing up the minors. But his slider is very good, very deceptive. Just absolutely nice cut to it. The changeup is a little underrated, I believe. If you look around, people have it anywhere from like a 40 to a 55. I would lean towards an, uh, at least a floor of a 50. Like he generates very, uh, uh, he generates a lot of swings and misses with it. Yeah. And New York is very, is really lacking pitching. Some of their pros, pitching prospects this year haven't really had good years, like, a, you know, Kevin Ziegler or, a, Dominic Hamill. So it's like it's Tedwell and uh, Vasil really carrying the the torch up to New York. I, you know, with him being an older prospect, I would not be surprised if we see the Mets try to kick up his uh, his time frame. Like I would say we're probably pushing towards a promotion with him pretty soon. And that that is what I want to be I'm focused on is I want to see how Tidwell makes the jump from high A to double A and especially how his command is once he gets the double A. That will be something to watch. Again, the Mets need pitching, and Blade Tidwell expect to hopefully get that promotion to double A and help the New York Mets down the road here. But speaking of promotions, let's talk about some notable promotions over the last week. And guys who got the call, Jordan Westberg, highlighting the top of the guys here. Three games so far for the Orioles, hitting over 400. Yet to hit his first home run, but definitely... Looks like to be a cornerstone of that team. Brandon Fat back up after being sent down. He's back now with the D-backs again. And Jared Triola of the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a new name on there as well. Third base prospect. He also got the call this week. 
let's take a look. Whoops. Let's take a look at our prospect watch. Usually players that were looking down in the low minors. So a lot of times, maybe for our audience, it might be the first time you've heard of this name and it could be someone you're looking at in the dynasty league. Starting off with Hector Rodriguez here, Eric of the Cincinnati Reds. If we talked about the Diamondbacks and we talked about the Orioles, this is the other team in that trio of just young, exciting talent coming up right now, potentially helping out the big league club at some point. But uh, Hector Rodriguez, 257 plate appearances, 310 batting average, 12 home runs, 10 steals, got a 19.8% K rate, 264 ISO. The Cincinnati Reds, again, just like the first two teams we talked about plenty so far to start the show, the Reds are no slouch, and Hector Rodriguez seems like he could be an intriguing piece for this team down the road. Yeah, I almost had a comment earlier when, when you mentioned, when you, when you didn't mention Cincinnati, I was just like, the disrespect for the Cincinnati <laughs> Reds here. Um, but now, yeah, obviously Arizona and Baltimore as well. But yeah, Cincinnati, this this is a really fun team, and it'll be even more fun when they finally bring up Encarnacion Strand. Uh, which who knows what that's going to be, but this guy obviously, you know, a little further away, uh, won't be up. Obviously, won't be up this year. Probably not even next year. We're probably looking at 2025 uh, ETA for Hector Rodriguez. But just another one, and they they have a few more of these guys too. Like there's a, a few others too uh, that are kind of like in the in the a, low A or high A range. They're a couple years away. That are like their their next wave. Like you can see what the next wave is going to be for this team. Um, not that you know, Le and CES is almost up, and McLean's up there too. So. Uh, this is the next wave, and Rodriguez is right in the middle of that. Uh, this is a guy that's always been kind of considered a, a advanced hitter for his age. He got good marks on the hit tool. I think it's a plus hit tool. I think there's there's at least plus speed. I've seen some places say it's double plus, uh, but he is starting to fill out a bit. So I think he settles in as more of a plus runner. But the the power has really been the X factor this year, and what's really you know been a, a huge con- part of his rise up rankings that he's adding more power this year. And then that was the, the one grade that kind of lagged behind, uh, at least offensively, uh, for Hector Rodriguez. People are like, oh, maybe it's not, not going to be that big of a power bat. But as he's filled out, he's been driving the ball a lot more consistently this year. You, you see he's you got 12 home runs. The ISO is pretty high. And I still think he's not going to be like a huge power bat. But hey, even like a 50-grade power, uh, raw power, that could be – 20 plus home runs at that that ballpark and that he'll play half his games in assuming he's not traded and he's still there down the road but yeah if we're looking at a, a plus hitter with at least average power and plus speed with that potential ballpark and he's already doing it so, you know the production is so good this year across the board he's he is a, a bit aggressive but at the same time he has the contact skills to back it up like he's, he's not swinging and missing too much k race and check doesn't chase too often says he puts the bat on the ball and now he's doing so with more authority uh, while still having, you know, a really good hit tool and, and good speed as well. So, yeah, the all-round offensive, um, the, you know, profile here is extremely fantasy-friendly. And, you know, he's been skyrocketing up my rankings this year. And I think this is a guy that you're looking at maybe by end of the season as a top 50 prospect for fantasy. I think he's going to rise up that high. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I like that. We're making some claims here that um, our listeners can definitely uh, get some good stuff from here from Hector Rodriguez. A Swiss Army knife. Seems like he has a lot of tools, like you mentioned, and he's somebody that is going to be shooting up ranks, according to Eric Cross. So Hector Rodriguez, if he is in your league and someone maybe doesn't value what his potential ceiling could be, maybe now's the time to try to acquire him because it seems like his ceiling is definitely uh, immensely high here. Now, we're talking about Chicago Cub, but Vinny's not going to be the one to talk about it. It's going to be Mike, and that's James 
Triantos of those Chicago Cubs, second base prospect, 20 years of age in high A ball. He's got a 323, 430, 448 slash line, 14 RBIs, five steals. The walk rate, 12.3%, but a minuscule 7% K rate. This, looking at this profile right away here, Mike, it just screams to me like a, a Nico Horner. Obviously, um, I, I'm sure he's not exactly like a Nico Horner type of player, but I see the low power. I see the minuscule K rate. I see a good batting average. That's for some reason, the name that pops out to my head, especially for the fact he's in the same organization. Yeah. So you said a lot of good things there. This isn't so much about the production lately as is he just returned from a two week absence, but this is another player I've wanted to talk about for a while. And in the prospect watch seems like a good spot, especially now that he's back to being active, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm dipping into Vinny's territory again here, but I've always been a fan of Triantos going back to his draft days. He was taken 56 overall in 2021 out of high school. The Cubs gave him nearly a million over the slot to sign. Fangraphs has him listed with a double plus hit tool, average to above average power potential with average speed. Obviously, the hit tool is what first caught my attention. You know, Triantos came onto the scene around the same time I was really valuing hit tools as much or more than power and speed. So I was immediately drawn to that 70 grade hit tool for a prep player because it stood out compared to all his peers. And last season, I think his prospect stock kind of took a hit relatively. He still showed a lot of tools that make him intriguing, you know, 16% K rate, 20 steals, but his power output took a significant step back from his complex league breakout. And to be fair, he still hasn't tapped into his power potential this year, but his overall approach just has me excited Anytime you have a young player on the verge of reaching the upper levels with a 7% K rate, nearly nearly double as many walks as strikeouts, there's there's a lot of room for optimism. Like we simply don't have many prospects capable of flashing this type of skill set. So so now I will acknowledge the power hasn't appeared yet outside of the complex ball. And I don't think he'll chip in more than a handful of steals, although it's harder to tell with the new environment, but his ability to make contact at the high rate is going to carry him to the majors. I think he profiles as a top the order type table setter not too dissimilar than Nico Horner. I don't think he has as much speed as him, but he won't He won't bring the elite speed we ideally want from that position, but I think there's a real chance he's a difference maker in batting average in a similar mold to someone that can maybe like a Sal Freelich in that. And I don't like doing comps because they're, they're rarely accurate, but that type of player who could push for like a 300 average throughout his prime, help out quite a bit in runs, chip in some steals, eventually get 15, 20 home runs. So bottom line, I like the idea of stashing Triantos or targeting him as a secondary piece in trades. This type of player won't stay under the radar long if he carries a similar skill set to the upper levels. Like he may never end up with like massive power and speed threat, but I think he'll chip in enough there and and we'll have the type of batting average that will have fantasy managers managers' attention. Okay. James Triantos, a potential table setter and somebody that could help you out in, in a lot of different categories here for the Chicago Cubs. Do you hope is there any hope? you think here, Mike, that he could develop more power or do you think this is kind of who he is? He's a little bit smaller, but there is always some hope. I always have some hope, especially with players with a double plus hit tool. Cause you know, as he gets more muscle, he's going to gain more muscle as he ages just naturally. And with the ability to make contact, he could just start cracking home runs, just, just using a, a really good approach. All right, let's move on. Then Samuel Munoz, the Los Angeles Dodgers outfield prospect right now in the ACL 76 plate appearances with a 273 batting average, 429 OBP and 491 slug five steals in those 76 plate appearances. So a very small sample size, the walking K rate, definitely both very, very good here. 
Vinny, the Dodgers, we talk about a lot of guys here, but this is definitely, I feel like the first time Samuel Munoz's name has come on this show. So please educate me and our audience just who exactly this kid is. Yeah, Samuel Munoz was one of the hotter names from the 2022 J15 international you know, draft. Um, we're talking an 18-year-old kid here, still very raw, still very you know, projectable of a body. But we're talking probably possesses one of the most advanced hit tools in the Arizona complex and potentially in minor league baseball. I've seen uh, they've I've seen grades of a 60 hit tool, a 65 hit tool like we it's a consensus that he is very good at making consistent hard contact Um, this season. It's very it's very interesting because I don't recall seeing this in previous years. He came out of the international uh, J-15 as an infielder prospect. They've thrown him now out into the outfield. But he's, so far in the complex eight this year, he's played all three outfield positions. He's not a speedster by any means. So seeing him getting run at center field might just be, you know, hey, they just need to you know, plug a position for the day. But it is very interesting to see them give him run at other positions to see where he fits with his speed. He has a cannon of an arm. One of the best in the organization, you know, he's probably undershadowed right now with all the J- the Josue De La Paula hype. Like I would say he's probably still readily available in Dynasty, but we're seeing very early success, very good contact skills. Like I said, when that when they start really putting emphasis on progressing his body, I think that's when we see the power really start to come in play. Uh, they give uh, grades of a 50 raw power right now, and he's still only like 185 pounds. So a six a six three, you know, 18 year old, 185, 180, 185 pounds. You know, he can come in next year, you know, 205, 210, and we could be talking about a completely different prospect. But yeah, the early success, I'm very enamored, and I will be keeping very close eyes on Munoz because he. If he finishes the complex league uh, very hot this year, we could potentially see him get some hype like the Paula or other names that finished, you know, in the DSL and the ACL last year, very strong going into 2024. Let's keep our eyes on Samuel Munoz and how he finishes the, the, how he does finish. Because like Vinny said, it could be uh, very interesting to see that kind of how it will translate as he keeps moving forward here. So uh, keep an eye on him as we head into our last section, our who's next players that we're going to predict are going to get the call up this name here, Eric, I got to tell you this. He's uh he's making a living in this section. Cause I think this might be <laughs> the third time someone's boldly called him out to be called up. I don't know why he hasn't gotten the call yet. I think the Orioles just like playing with our emotions here. Colton Cowser, 23 years of age, the numbers on the screen, you can see them. They're ridiculously good. If you're listening on the podcast version, 328 average 458 OBP, 534 slug. Anytime you're a 345 hitter, you're a good hitter. Nine home runs, got a 18.8% walk rate. I mean, it, I we know how good the player is here, uh, Eric. Is there any reason that you can conjure up of why he hasn't gotten the call up yet? Because Aaron Hicks is randomly doing really good right now. I think <laughs> threw a, a monkey wrench into this. I mean, I, I mean obviously, if Cowser. Didn't get hurt, you know, and missed. Uh, well, yeah, I think missed like three weeks or so. 
uh, last month. And uh, that kind of was right around the same time that Mullins was out. Uh, Mullins just came back about a week ago at this point. I, I think he would be up right now. This the, the timing, that whole thing just didn't line up right. It was you know, never a good time for an injury, but that was just really poor timing. Um, and then they signed Aaron Hicks. Like, hey, we need somebody to kind of fill in in the outfield. Well, Mullins is out. And last time I checked, Hicks was hitting near 300 and hasn't gotten hurt yet. But obviously, you know, Hicks being good and being healthy never really lasts that long. So I think we're, he's waiting for that to happen or, or another injury. The thing is, like, this lineup is playing pretty well right now, in, especially the outfielders. I mentioned Hicks already. Austin Hayes is quietly having a pretty damn good year. You know, they got Santander, uh, DH, and, you know, in the outfield a bit. And then obviously Mullins uh, just came back. So this is really just not a spot for him unless he can – figure out how to play second base or something like that and take over for Adam Frazier. But I think he's waiting for that Hicks injury or him to start slumping because there's really no spot for him. Like we know he's going to do, you know, or has a chance to be an impact fantasy bag. He's been a guy that's you know produced very well across the board, gets on base at a high clip, you know, good power speed blend. It's like a 25 homer, 15 steel type of guy long-term with a high OBP and you know, probably hits in the top third of the order. Once he gets settled in you know, down the road. So, it's just a matter of when is that spot going to open up? There's unfortunately no, you know, there's no path right now. And we're really just down to the the big three right now for the guys that are close to the major leagues and have that really impact potential for bats. It's him, it's Encarnacion Strand, and you could probably throw Ronnie Mauricio into that as well. So I, I have Kowser stashed in a couple of leagues. So I hope this, this happens soon. But as of right now, it's just hard to really see that path outside of, you know, there being an injury. Yeah, you make a you bring up a good point with how productive their outfield has been. I think Austin Hayes was leading the American League in batting average as of a few days ago. He definitely, if he's not, he's he's right up there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not the spot for him. Definitely understand that. So in the meantime, you know, no one's rooting for an injury. But if it seems like he'd be the easy choice to if something happened in the outfield where he would be able to get a chance with Baltimore. Jonathan Aranda of the Tampa Bay Rays, another player who has been on the show a lot, not necessarily in this section, but just throughout the couple of years we've done this show. He's definitely had a spot here on this program. On the season, uh, 341, again, 457, 590 slash line, 345, 14 home runs, 50 uh, RBIs, 16.1% walk rate, only one steal. So maybe the stolen bases aren't going to be necessarily something you can expect from him. But it seems like he could be a solid four-category contributor here, Mike. And the Rays, the fact that he could potentially play multiple positions um, and the fact that the team is just has a lot of depth, he could eventually get the call. Do you think it could be this week? That's the tough part, as I've said before. You know, uh, until Colton Kowser, Christian, and Christian Strand are promoted, they have a permanent home in the call-up section. <laughs> this week, I decided to go with someone who's been on our radar for a while in Aranda. We, we talk about him, like you said, on the show, but... He's earned his spot again with his performance in AAA. From a scouting perspective, Aranda is listed with a plus hit tool, average power, and 20-grade 20, 20 speed. I'm not sure I've ever seen 20-grade speed since starting the show. I actually don't even know what to call it. Does it have an official name? Like, barely able to move? Huh. But, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, the, the hit tool is clearly his best tool. He's hit well over 300 in high A, double A, and triple A. He wasn't able to show it off much in his brief time in the majors last year, but I think he should be able to hit pretty consistently if he's given a longer leash. You know, one of the main reasons I haven't brought him up is team context. Like, it's not easy to crack the raised lineup right now, particularly if your defense is in a strong suit. And he's played multiple positions during his time in the minors, but 
I get the sense it's more based on the team trying to maintain flexibility than his actual defensive versatility. You're essentially looking at a bat first player who's already 25 years old, doesn't offer much defensively and could be one of the slowest players in the league. And it doesn't sound like someone we should get super excited about on the surface. And to a certain extent, I agree with that perspective, but this isn't a flashy high upside early round type of player, but this is an older prospect that would already be in the majors in another organization who I think will clearly be an above average or better hitter at the highest level. And you're basically hoping the Rays unlock more power than scouts anticipated, which we're seeing signs of or, and, or he's traded to a team that could slide his bat into lineup immediately. You know, you look at someone like a, Zach McKinstry with the Tigers. He was an afterthought for the Dodgers. Now he's leading off for the Tigers. You know, some organizations have more depth than others. So ultimately that's the type of situation is how we're going to see Aranda like have fantasy value. I believe I, you know, I do believe in his bat and we've seen him produce for several years. It's not just, it's just not the eye catching, like huge home run stolen base totals. We all like to see he's, you know, he's one of those type of players that you would need he would need to get locked into like an everyday spot in the lineup, then produce before he's even considered by most people in shallow formats. But, but this type of player does have a lot of value in deeper settings and his proximity hit tool emerging power is enough for that. So like I said, I think he's already up if he's in a different organization. I just don't think the Rays want to bring him up to play him once or twice a week at this moment. That makes sense. And I think for any of these guys, it's like, if you're just like, you have the talent to play in the big leagues, but if you're not going to get a chance to play every day or almost every day, uh, why have you, why have you go on the bench just to uh, to to basically not be able to work on getting better and at AAA you're probably going to get the reps that you're going to need. So same with for Colton Kowser, for Jonathan Aranda kind of seems like both of the same kind of thing with with uh, both of those guys. But Eric did mention Ronnie Mauricio, part of the big three for those New York Mets. And Vinny, you're saying this is the week he gets the call. The numbers are great. 311, 357, 517, 11 bombs, 12 steals. K rate, very manageable, 16.3%. Uh, an athletic freak. He's definitely a, an athlete, to say the least. And um, somebody that's also gotten reps in the outfield, right? They said just to try to fight his bat somewhere in the lineup. Yeah. You know, this week, uh, owner Steve Cohen did come out and say that they're going to try whatever they need to do to make sure that. You know, they start winning again. That team is absolutely in turmoil. Uh, earlier, you know, earlier this week, Josh Norris was reporting that Mauricio was taking pregame in left field. So if we take that and we follow it up with this press conference, calling up Mauricio is the perfect move right now to absolutely shake up that clubhouse. All the all of the players love him. They know who he is. They're all excited for him, and he is an impactful bat once he steps foot in New York. We're looking at this year, Mauricio. We're looking at the lowest we have seen his K percentage in two, three years. His walk rate is up too. His BABIP is pretty nuts. Even his ISO is pretty crazy. Like this, this is the move that needs to be done. If you really, you know, want to shake things up in New York, bring Mauricio up, let him play the outfield. Maybe let him, let him play the infield too. make, you know, make everyone known that, Hey, there's a guy in triple a that can actually play baseball right now. And you guys should probably pay attention and be worried. Just light yeah. a fire up under that team. I would love to see him 
go in there. And I, I've heard Francisco Lindor talk about the uh, baby Mets or however he called them, just how much they've injected life into this team. This could be another guy that could do that. The Mets need something. Uh, they're underperforming. Steve Cohen came out and said something like, uh, it's not, it's not, we're not dead yet, but it's definitely getting closer. Something along those lines. Um, they need to do something and at least get him up there, see what he can do. Maybe he sparks the team and um, they can turn it around, but who knows? New York Mets always seem to New York Met. Uh, but on that note, Eric, thanks so much for joining the show, man. It's uh, always fun having you here talking prospects and then in our private chat talking about slow baseball players. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for joining the show. Please, uh, please plug all the great work you're doing right now. Yeah, there's some good names in that in that chat. We we went off the, <laughs> the rails with the uh, the slow players uh, chat. That was good, but uh, yeah, you find all my my written work at uh, Roto Baller. I do two articles a week there. FTN do two articles a week there as well. Obviously, the daily stuff and all my rankings and all that fun stuff over on my Patreon, and then two episodes a week on the Toolshed with with Chris Clegg. So yeah, always uh, the grind never stops. Always busy, but. Uh, it's a labor of love. It's obviously we, we love this game. We love talking prospects with with you all. And thanks for having me on. It was a, it was a blast. Always love having you on. And like you said, man, you're you're grinding. Always doing something. If you're not podcasting or you're not writing articles, you're tweeting out good information. It's just grind on top of grind on top of grind. That's why you're one of the best out there. And anybody that's looking to get good prospect knowledge, can you can make sure you follow him on Twitter. Uh, Eric Cross 33, right? Or what? At Eric Cross 04. Oh, four. It's on It's on the screen if I actually I'm not, look. I'm not sure where you're getting the 33 from. Though I, I will be 33 in like three weeks. That's so. where I got it. There you go. Yeah, you, I, you, I you thought your vision was getting even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I do have glasses that I never wear, so that's probably why. Uh, but yeah, make sure you follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Cross 04 and then find all the great work again. FTN Fantasy Prospect Tool Shed everything anything prospects air cross is the man and for these guys too they know their stuff you guys hear them every week michael richards Vinny, aka down on the farm eight maybe one of these days you guys will actually know his last name maybe if you're lucky <laughs> is, isn't it pasquantino no <laughs> no maybe maybe i'll, I'll uh, release it at first pitch this year oh there, there we go, go. That's, i like the tease leave him on a cliffhanger for eric for Mike, for Vinny, I'm David. We'll catch you guys next week on the call-up.